welcome back to the Minson Show. I'm your host, Eric Minson, and this podcast is strictly about the New York Mets. I understand that. But last night was the the AL wild card between the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. And guess what? Of course, the Yankees fall short, which looked like a team that, you know, it, in the 2021 offseason was set. They looked good, ready to go. You know, once again, World Series contenders. And, of course, they fall short. They lose to the Red Sox 6-2. to Nate Evaldi absolutely shut out the Yankees in five innings. And Garrett Cole got shellacked. He was awful last night. And every Yankee fan could say, oh... Jacob deGrom isn't the best pitcher in New York. Garrett Cole is. Garrett Cole's the best pitcher in baseball. Last night proved that Garrett Cole is simply not the best pitcher in baseball and simply not the best pitcher in New York. The best pitcher in New York slash baseball is Jacob deGrom. There is no debate. That debate needs to be put to rest. To the 2% of people saying that Garrett Cole is better than Jacob DeGrom, it needs to stop. Because last night, he was downright bad. Awful. One of his worst performances. It's your ace. Your ace cannot be that bad in an important game like that, especially in the wild card, where you are going up against the Red Sox, who last year in 2020 were was atrocious. They were so bad in 2020. And this year, they're one of the best teams in the American League. And, you know, to have your ace go out there and give you two and, I believe it was two and two-thirds innings pitched, giving up three uh, three runs, two home runs, one to Schwarber, and one to Bogarts, it was definitely, definitely not his greatest performance. Personally, I was expecting Garrett Cole to go at least five, six innings, sort of what Nita Valdi did. I thought it was going to be a pitching show. If you're a fan of pitching, I thought you guys were going to love this. If you're a Red Sox fan, you sure loved it. I mean, Nate Valdi went out there punching tickets, eight strikeouts from Nate Valdi last night. He was absolutely in total command. Five and a third innings pitched, four hits allowed one run, one of them was earned with a home run, and it was just, it was a dominant performance, and you look over at Garrett Cole, he pitched two innings, and I thought it was two and, and two and a thirds, it was two full innings, he didn't get an out in the third inning, he gave up four hits, three runs, three earned, two home runs, three strikeouts, their bullpen, the Yankee bullpen, they didn't do that great either. I mean, Lewisica gave up two earned. Severino gave up an earned. So, all in all, the Yankees were not built to win this year. Um, and that was clear from basically the start of the season. Um, and the Red Sox, um, they're moving on to, I believe, verse the 
they're going to verse the Tampa Bay Rays. And honestly, I don't think they're winning that. I think the Rays got that one in control. Um, and after that series, we'll see, we'll see which team comes up. But the Yankees have a lot, a lot, they have a lot to do this offseason. Honestly, in my opinion, I'm a diehard Mets fan, so I can't really talk about the Yankees that much. But in a situation like this, you haven't won in quite a while. You haven't been in the World Series in quite a while. And, you know, it's not like 20 years. Well, when was the last time they made the World Series? It's 10 years ago? I'm not too sure. Not off the top of my head. I don't know that number off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, the most recent New York team that went to a championship was the Mets. So... If I'm the Yankees right now, and not not to put words in a Yankee fan's mouth, but I say you say bye to Cashman. I mean, he built a team that almost everybody was expecting them to win something this year. I mean, win the division, not the World Series, but definitely win the division. At least come close. They were in third place. They finished in third place. It wasn't like they finished in second in the wild card. They finished... In third, at 92-70, and 70, right next to the Red Sox. So basically, they were both tied for second. The team that I thought was going to thrive the most this year in the AL East was Toronto, to be completely honest with you. You know, you have the Rays. Obviously, the Rays were the favorites over in that division. And then probably... Um, the Yankees, Toronto, and then the Red Sox, in my opinion. Because the Red Sox last year, you know, they suffered from injuries. They suffered from a lot of different things last year, COVID. Um, so that a 60-game season, everyone was bad in, in 60 games. So unless your team was dominant like the Dodgers or like the Rays in, in a 60-game series, you're going to stink. You know, your record's not going to be that good. You're going to be 30 and 30, or, you know, you're not going to be 50 and 10, unlike the Dodgers or whatever other team was so great last year, the the Padres, the Rays, you know, those dominant teams. And I also want to talk about the Padres, but before we move over to them, my AL East predictions this year for the standings were the Rays... The Yankees, Toronto, Boston, and of course, Baltimore. That totally switched. Totally. It was Tampa Bay, Boston, the Yankees, Toronto, and Baltimore. Toronto came off, came out of the gates extremely cold. Um, They were not the Toronto that everyone expected them to be, really. I mean, they did finish 91-71. and but I was expecting them to win well over 95 games, to be honest with you. I was really, you know, you have Bo Bichette, you have Vladdy Jr., you have um, Guerrero, uh, or I don't I, I don't really know what his name is. Um, but, you, you know, you're pitching Robbie Ray. You know, it wasn't a great, great, great team. 
but I expected a lot from them. Uh, at the trade deadline, they got Jose Barrios, who, which was a magnificent pickup in my opinion, and I think that really pushed them to uh, go for that wild card spot over the Boston Red Sox and the Yankees. But this AL East, although the standings, you know, you have four teams, you have four teams over 90 wins. That is clearly the the hardest division in the in the in the game right now. Yeah, you could say the West is hard with Seattle, Houston, Oakland. You could say the West, the the NL West, um, San Francisco, who I totally did not think they would win a hundred and seven games. Who would think they would win a hundred and seven games? Um, but by far the AL East was dominant over any any other division, and the least dominant was the AL East, or sorry, NL East. Their best team, the division winner, won 88 games. <laughs> that was the division winner, 88 games. So, that division didn't go as according to plan. But the Yankees have a lot of work to do. Um, a lot of these teams, pretty much every team has a lot of work to do. My Mets have a lot of work, a lot of work to do. Um, but that's what you can expect from every uh, from every team every every season. That's what you can expect. Um, let's move over to the San Diego Padres. Not too long of a subject, but also not too short because there is a lot to talk about with that team. They were one of many uh, people's favorites in this division. Obviously, you have the Dodgers. I had the Dodgers. Um, I had the Dodgers, the Padres, and then the Giants, Colorado, Arizona. Um, But who would have known that the Padres were going to lose 83 games. I thought they were going to be up there. I honestly, in my opinion, let's say I knew San Francisco was going to win 100-plus games. This would have been one of the first times in my life, and I'm almost 17 years old, that I would have seen a division with three teams over the uh, 100-win mark. I mean, I was expecting the, the Dodgers and the Padres to have well over 110 wins. And I guess the Padres pitching just didn't work out. They had a toxic man a toxic manager, a really toxic manager. And that really didn't help. You know, you had Tatis who we'll get into the awards after uh but you know, you can't really say he's the MVP. I mean, in my opinion the the MVP for the NL, it's tough because the good teams, you know, there there weren't a lot of teams that a player really pushed. In my opinion, I would say Soto. And yeah, the Nationals finished finished in last place. I would say Soto or Harper. Um, I would most certainly not say Tatis, and not to be a hater or anything. It was just. He didn't push them. They finished under 500. 
And yes, Soto, but the Nationals are rebuilding. Soto had one hell of a year. Bryce Harper had one hell of a year. And who would have known that the Phillies were going to finish in second place? You would have thought the Mets, Atlanta, first, second, and then Philly, and then Washington, and then Miami. I did not think in a million years that the Phillies were going to be finishing over 500 in second place this year. And I, for one, did not think that Bryce Harper would have one hell of a year. He had a great second half, um, one that should have almost pushed the Phillies to a division win. They came up short by six and a half games. Um, it was really that first half that, that kind of killed them. Um, but, you know, the Mets have a lot of work to do. The Phillies probably, in my opinion, they need a new manager. Because I don't think Joe, I think Joe Girardi's washed up, in my opinion. He hasn't won anything in so long since, really, with the Yankees. And, you know, I think the Phillies just need, I think the Phillies, not not a rebuild, but they need a lot of shaking up to do. Um, their pitching is atrocious. Their bullpen, I can't name one bullpen arm uh, on that team. Um, you know, they have Aaron Nola. They have Real Muto, Harper. You know, their they're, they're hitting isn't bad. It's that pitching, and that pitching is going to kill them for years and years unless they, uh, they fix it this offseason. Let's move over to the New York Mets, my favorite team, who finished 77-85. and 85. I mean, come on. Who would have thought that this team was going to win 77 games this year? In a 162-season game, in a 162-game season, they were going to win 77 out of 162. A, a lot of people had them winning 95-plus games. Now, obviously, I didn't believe that for one second. I was going to, you know, the old meth fan in me saying, oh, this team is not going anywhere they're not coming anywhere close to that 95-plus mark. You know, 91 wins, 90 wins to win the division. Sure, that's easy. Because Atlanta was not, you know, they're good. They're, they were some division, you know, people's favorites for this division. They were not mine. Obviously, the Mets were. But the Atlanta Braves won 88 games. So if the Mets did go out there and win 90 games this year, 89 games would have won them a division. So they have a lot of work to do. They've just fired their manager, Luis Rojas. They need to fire that hidden coach, Hugh Quattlebaum, or whatever that guy's name is. I can't. If you can't understand the, your hitting coach's last name, you should not be on the team, in my opinion. Their pitching coach, Jeremy Hefner, did one hell of a job. Their pitching was not the problem at all this year. A lot might disagree with me there, but... Their pitching wasn't the issue. It was their hitting. Their hitting. My God. Every game. I stopped watching them mid to late August when they had that stretch of 13 games on the West. As soon as I saw that on their schedule coming up, I knew it was over. I mean, they, they were, what, two and a half up on Philly or Atlanta. And they had 13 straight games 
against the Red Hot Giants and the Red Hot Dodgers, forget it. You're done. You're done. You're not coming back from that. Their second half schedule was one of the hardest schedules in major leagues. So, can you blame them? Yes. But can you really blame them? Not really. Their schedule was really, really hard. I mean, if yeah, sure, 13 games against the Giants and the Dodgers, sure. Split it up a little bit. I mean, have four games against the Giants, and then three against the Marlins, two, you know, two against the Orioles, three against the Nationals, back to the Giants, and then maybe the Dodgers, you know, have some room for some winning culture in that schedule. I mean, to have 13 straight games against a West Coast, two West Coast teams that were dominating all year, they didn't have one stretch where they stuck. You know, the Dodgers actually, I, I take that back. The Dodgers in the beginning of the year really hit a stretch where, I don't know, what were they, 2-13 and 13 in a stretch? And then, of course, they got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, and, of course, they're in the wild card as we speak against the Cardinals, who, my Lord, they really turned it around in the month of August slash September. Wow, what a month for them. So... The Mets, in my opinion, they need a brand new front office. They need a brand new, you know, training staff. I mean, their injuries just didn't make sense half the time. You know, for Jacob deGrom to be out all all year and not fix himself up, is does that come with age? Sure. But come on. Noah Syndergaard makes two appearances this year, which... In my opinion, I thought he wasn't going to make an appearance at all this year after that setback that he had uh, July, maybe. I don't know off the top of my head. But, you know, the bullpen, Aaron Loop, they need to sign back right now. They need to sign him back right now. I want him on the team this second. Um, Trevor May, eh, kind of what you would expect. Edwin Diaz was solid. He was solid. And I really do believe that that the 2020 year really, really helped him out, um, figuring himself out and, you know, calming down without the the fans, you know, booing him if he had a bad start or, um, you know, that 2020 season really, really did help him, I believe. So, you're fine with a closer. You don't need a closer anymore. That worry is pretty much done. Um, Lugo was all right. Um, trying to think off the top of my head. You know, the top pitchers that you would have to bring back for next year. Stroman. Syndergaard. Those are the only two in free agency. And then... I guess you can say Tyler McGill. Maybe you you go out in free agency. You get a you get a pitcher. Um, you know you have Taiwan Walker, who honestly, in my opinion, should go. Um, he was he was he held his ground. That's for sure. In that in that rotation, that second half after that All Star game really, really took him out. Though, um, what an unbelievable first half 
by Taiwan Walker. But that second half, that All-Star game with that home run, I think that really uh, knocked him back down to earth, as you uh, would say. But, yeah, this, this Mets team, their rotation right now is looking like DeGrom, Syndergaard, hopefully Stroman, hopefully Syndergaard. But I, if they give him a qualifying offer, he pretty much said that he'll, they'll work something out. Um, he definitely wants to come back. And in my opinion, I don't think Stroman wants to come back unless it's a big, big, big contract. Well over, possibly well over three digits. Um, I wouldn't do that, in my opinion. I would just give him the qualifying offer. One year, $20 million, Take it or leave it. You go somewhere else. Don't really care. I heard the Padres are interested in him. I heard the Blue Jays, there might be a, reu- a reunion. And I heard that he's down for that. If if the opportunity comes, Stroman's down for a reunion with the Blue Jays. But who knows? You can't really, you can't really tell. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see when the time comes. Um, Billy Bean, let's talk about the... Uh, president of baseball operations opening for this Mets team. They have Theo Epstein, Theo Epstein, today who uh, they they spoke, and the Mets and Theo agreed that it was not fit for Theo to work for them, which pretty much means that Billy Bean will be in the Mets front office this year for the upcoming 2022 season. In my opinion, I'll take it. It, it can't be... It can't really hurt at this point. Any Anybody new would help, could help. A lot of people are saying, yeah, he's cheap. He was cheap with the athletics. He was cheap with the athletics because he didn't have money. The athletics never had really a lot of money. Um... And I feel that, you know, with Steve Cohen and the money that the Mets have now, a, a president of baseball operations like Billy Bean would do would do just fine. Um, I think Sandy Alderson really, I think he has to go, that's for sure. Um, I don't know who you get as a general manager. I don't know who you get as a manager. There's a lot of a lot of options at, for the managerial role uh, after Luis Rojas's departure. After they fired him, a lot of, in my opinion, I I think you go for um, you go for Beltron again. You could go for Beltron. You could go for Bob Melvin. I believe that's his name from the Athletics. Get like a package deal with Billy Bean and Bob Melvin. Uh, Buck Showalter. There's there's some options there for the Mets, um, and I believe the favorites probably Beltron among fans and um, a lot of a lot of rumors love Beltron as an option, um, but we'll see when the time comes. There's a lot of a lot of signings that the Mets need to do. Javi Baez is probably the biggest one. Sandy Alderson in a meeting or interview said. Um, you know, is it realistic? Maybe. Um, can it possible? Can it? Is it possible? Yeah, but it's not really realistic. I don't really believe that a hundred percent. 
I feel that he's just saying that to say it, to shut people up, um, or to get some, some type of talk going, but they, I think, in my opinion, if they want to win, they need Baez, because when he came over, Lindor got hot, Baez was hot when he came over, um, he, he thrived, and he, you could tell that he thrived off that New York energy, you could tell that Lindor thrived with Baez, with having his back, um, Baez 100,000% protected Lindor. Once Baez came, Lind- I bet Lindor felt relief. He felt that, you know, not all of New York is, you, you know, he doesn't have a big target on his back anymore. Everyone's really focused on Baez. And in my opinion, Lindor never should have worried. You know, I get it. You're making $340 million for for a New York team that isn't known for giving out that type of money. But the real face of the franchise is Pete Alonso and Jacob DeGrom. And yeah, that money definitely puts a target on your back. But just go out and play. Don't worry about what, what the fans and what the media is thinking. Who cares? Just go out there and play. The fans won't care about how much money you make when you're hitting 330 with 35 home runs and 120 RBIs. You think they'll care? Oh my god, wait, no, we're paying him $350 million. Let's take that money back and ship him elsewhere. Once we see that you're hitting 330 at the end of the year, with a lot of home runs and a lot of RBIs, you're loved. And I think if the Mets sign buy his back, it's a no-brainer for Lindor to keep it going. Um, I mean, what, it, what he had a solid second half of the season. Um, he finished, um, let's see, let's see what, I think he was just under 330, 330, uh, 230 batting average, sorry, um, Francisco Lindor, 229, I believe it was, with 20-something home runs, I mean, for a guy who really struggled all year in New York, his first year, it's not that that bad. Um, for some reason, this isn't loading. But anyway, um, and as I'm looking at the Mets roster, one guy that I would not bring back, Michael Conforto. What a disappointment of a year Michael had. I get it. That money was staring him in the face. He had an opportunity to make well over two hundred million, well over hundred fifty million, I'd say. He had that opportunity, and that that money definitely got in his head, and he stunk. What a terrible year by Michael Conforto. I mean, my lord. There's nothing. There was nothing really positive about this year. Yeah, you cried on the field. You batted under 200 for most of the year. What'd you finish with? 10 home runs? You're supposed to be hitting 40, and you're hitting 10 home runs, 50 RBIs, batting 199, and you want $200 million. I will be shocked 
If the Mets give him the qualifying offer, he declines it, and someone pays him well over $200 million, I would be shocked if that happened. And I don't think it will. I can't see it happening. But only time will tell. The Mets must, must, must get their act together if they want to win. Like Steve Cohen said, I expect to win in three to five years. Quote unquote Steve Cohen. And at this rate, I don't see them winning in ten years. They gotta get they better get their act together. And they better work hard. Fix that front office. Fix this lineup. Fix this coaching staff. Fix the training staff. Fix everything. Wipe it clean, Steve Cohen, if you're listening to this. Wipe it clean. This is gonna be a interesting 2022 season, and I'm so excited to talk about this offseason coming up.